You are listening to Like What You Like. I'm your host, Blake Carell. Today, we are going over the best albums of 2022. I'll be joined by Zach Weiss of Opre Pompeii, who is a Chicago musician. We list our top five records and comment on each other's selections. It's a it's a great episode. It's one of the longest that we've done here on the podcast, and I'm excited to have a guest who is so knowledgeable about their music taste. Since this is the last episode of the year, uh, we'll be taking a little bit of a break until the new year, but please keep up with us on Instagram. I'll be posting a few other things just supplementary to this conversation and a few other episodes, some playlists and uh, do some writing before the new year. But we'll be back in 2023 with the same coverage, some new and exciting versions of the podcast, interviews, reviews, and deep dives into all things coming out. You know, this is a new music podcast and we'll keep seeing what's new in 2023. But I wanted to say thank you before we get into the episode. I hope you found something this year in this last part of 2022 that you liked from the podcast or discovered something new or maybe on your own decided to check out something that had been on your mind for a while. That's what this podcast is all about. This 2022 best of list is just for that as well. I hope you get something out of this. And if you were keeping up along with us, please let us know on Instagram or wherever you follow us, what your top five or top 10 or however big your list is, what those records were. I'd love to know what the top record of 2022 was. It's been a great exercise for me to keep track of these things. So I am really grateful to everybody who has listened and can't wait to get back to it in 2023. And uh, yeah, this is the episode with Zach Weiss of Opera Pompeii going over the top records of 2022. I love like end of the year lists in general. Um, I feel like this is really on topic for movies too with, I don't know if you saw the sight and sound list that came out and I just for fun, like put out what I would have nominated for that Mm -hmm. on Twitter. And somebody was like, so are these the best movies or your favorite? I'm like, I don't really see a difference. I mean, art is subjective, right? So you can talk about the technical merits of something all day long, but if you're not getting that emotional reaction, then you know, there's something missing. So I always kind of take into account just the the actual pleasure or like emotional response when I'm when I'm ranking things too. And that's something we can get into also. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a perfect segue. Yeah, I was trying to think about my ranking of a list. And this is the first time in earnest that I've spent the entire year really digging into what's coming out, anticipating the records being released and um, kind of like taking the initiative near this part of the year to actually rank them out and figure out the metrics. Yeah, if I, I find it kind of hard because reading reviews and things like that, I feel like I do have a little bit of a bias. And, you know, I think hearing somebody else's take is something that's always going to affect the way that you take in art. And I think what you said about your own personal taste kind of playing into the ranking and not just going with what maybe 
is like culturally happening or all this sort of outside stuff. Um, I think that working that into the list is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Like I, I feel like this list listening back to the records that I've made, uh, the list I made is I'm so like solid in this. Like, I feel like these, where these rankings are, are how I feel. And, That's so good to yeah. hear because mine are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I struggled with my like fourth and fifth spots. There were so, so many good albums this year. Mm-hmm. Things that I listened to like nonstop for weeks on end. And I just really could not <laughs> winnow it down. So even yesterday, I was like, shit, should I swap this for this, this for this? I was like, no, mm-hmm. you need to commit. You already sent the list. Like, don't don't make it too complicated. And um, I wound up committing to the ones that I knew for a fact that I've continually returned to throughout the year. So that's kind of what helped me narrow it down. But there were so many great albums that I like it hurt not to put in the top five. Yeah. And I, I did an honorable mentions episode. And I was like, just because these are honorable mentions doesn't mean I don't love them in like some special way even going into like a top 10 or a top five, like we're going to be doing it. It's so hard to put something above another thing. And I think the way that I did my rankings might be a little bit, I don't know, a little bit nerdy, but I was like, how does this contribute to the band's narrative? Mm -hmm. How does this contribute to their catalog? And even, I even included my personal stuff. Am I returning to this record? Is it something that came out and I forgot about, or did I have a really strong connection to it at first? Yeah, the the year. Yeah, I, I would like to go to back to the year a little bit. I mean, music, I, you don't have to get into specifics, but like, how was your 2022? You know? Yeah, that's um, a perfect segue. I feel like 2022, I thought was a really strong year for music. I think we've seen a lot of like, kind of journeymen, like long working musicians make really interesting, good, like mid career records. I think there's a lot of exciting new stuff happening. I feel like, and your top five kind of solidified this for me, but, you know, rock music is like slowly coming back in a real way and not that it ever really left, but I think that there's definitely kind of a resurgence in like true blue rock and roll and like interesting rock and roll. Mm. Um, I also, in the past year, I've been doing like a lot of personal projects, listening through older material, which has also given me a lot more appreciation for newer music, getting me a little bit more well-versed in genres that I might not necessarily have had the vocabulary to appreciate before. So that's been really fun too. So overall, I would say it's been a great year for music. Yeah, I think there's been a ton and i i speak from releases and then live shows have sort of hit a heavy clip where there's pretty much i mean we live in chicago and there's pretty much a show to go to every week if not a few on the on the flip side of that i think there were a a couple of records that came out that were big releases that they kind of fell off for me after like the initial rollout i think about the beach house album yeah um father john misty kind of fell off for me too and i hate to say it but the kendrick lamar album didn't like really stick with me too much but um any any thoughts there i completely agree with with most of what you just said (laughs) um i think you know the beach house album is it was it wound up being one of my 
highest played albums in mm-hmm. the year. But honestly, because like we were saying, I listen to so much on vinyl. A lot of it was stuff that I would throw on at work as just like mood music. And I did feel like with both the Beach House record and the Kendrick record, they're both just so long. It's like hard to commit to listening intently to those albums and the beach house one in particular i think that there's like a couple of really solid tracks that i keep returning to but overall i feel like it would have benefited by an edit Mm. it's pleasant to listen to i love them i'm not going to be upset about more beach house music but i think the length kind of made it stick a little bit less than some of their other records i totally agree with the father john misty i appreciate what he was trying to do But every time I would listen to it, I was like, man, I wish I liked this more. I just, something about it is a little flat for me. And I don't know if it's the production, the performance of it, but I totally agree that I listened to it a couple of times. I've thrown it on here and there, and it just really didn't work for me the way some of his other records do. The Kendrick album, I really do love, but again, the length makes it hard to come back to. It's it's just one of those things. And that's not something I can just throw on at work and like yeah. tune out to and spend time with. It's like, you have to give it your full attention. And when I do, I find it rewarding, but I don't see myself coming back to it as often as I do Damn, which I play all the time still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Damn, Damn is great. That one, I think that one didn't get a lot of great critical reception at first and then one day i just got it yeah it, it clicked for me and i was like this is up there with like to pimp a butterfly and yeah. with father john misty i was a huge fan of god's favorite customer and then pure comedy me too before that yeah i i think with kendrick it's been this is like his grower album maybe over time and in some senses damn was that too yeah uh i think those songs have solidified as something in the live set when i saw him in houston people were going off too and it this was a good record. Like, yeah. I don't know. This it's, And like re- records have to like take time too. I think what we're doing by listing these things out and kind of making determinations about it, it's, you know, it's fun to make lists and things like that. But like at the end of the day, your favorite records probably weren't, you didn't know about them maybe the year that they came out or mm-hmm. like you did and you kind of came back to it after a while. So yeah. yeah. Totally agree. So do you want to start, Zach? Yeah, sure. I'll start. Um, so my number five I settled on was Maggie Rogers's sophomore release, Surrender. There's this culture writer, Hunter Harris. I don't know if you read her stuff, but I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, the one thing I've ever disagreed with her on is she did not like this record, and I think it is nearly perfect. It is so different from what I expected her to release. I think um, as far as the music, I get so many like 90s female-led alt-rock vibes from this, which is something, like I said, I didn't expect her to go in this direction. I think with her first record, which is really strong, it's a good songwriter showcase, it's well-produced, it's very poppy. I was really expecting her to lean heavier in that direction. And the singles apart from Want Want, kind of were leaning in more of the same territory. Um, But with the full length album coming out, 
and listening through it, the rawness in her vocals and her lyrical subject matter, I just think she's grown so much as an artist. She's letting the cracks in her armor show through a lot more, very vulnerable performances. I think Shatter is one of the most cathartic songs of the year in terms of coming out of, still coming out of the pandemic two years later, listening to an artist sing about how hard it's been not being able to release that tension in a live setting, um, singing about, you know, all the losses that we've had over the past couple of years. I just found find it incredibly moving. This album, I think, even more than the rest of mine on, on my list, is something I listen to over and over again. I just think she is so exciting to watch. I, I can't wait to see what she does next. Maggie Rogers is... I, I, I listened to this record when it came out, and... I think with a lot of the records that you have on your list, I think we do have a little bit of divergence in taste, but I can appreciate where a lot of these artists are um, coming from. With Maggie, a lot of her bigger songs from Heard It in a Past Life off the 2019 record were my touch points for her. And then I actually, something that I come back to her is the notes notes from the archive. That, for some, for some reason, that release like resonated with me and I would put that on and I love her voice. This, yeah, this record didn't didn't stand out too much to me, but like, definitely recognize her talent. And there's that video of her with Pharrell, and that's yes. that's like a you know a a watershed moment you know for her career exactly. in a way. So yeah, um, were, were there elements of it that you felt, and you might have you described this, but like that graduated this release up. You want to speak a little bit? Yeah, more Yeah, I mean, that? I think in terms of her songwriting. She definitely still knows how to write a pop song. You know, her melodies are strong as ever. I think what really resonated with me was the rawness and the performance aspect of it. So usually I feel like a lot of artists tend to want to like go a little bit more shiny, a little bit cleaner for their second release, especially somebody who's like tangentially related to the pop world like she is. Mm -hmm. Like she definitely could have gone in a much more mainstream direction with this and like courted radio play, which I know she's still getting some, but I think, you know, letting her voice like breathe a little bit more, let it show the grittiness when it needs to show the tenderness. It's just not the direction I thought she was going to go in. And I'm so glad she did. Yeah. When I hear somebody say they like Maggie Rogers, I'm like, okay, you like good music. Like I, like, <laughs> I, I, I see that as like a, a badge of honor. She's like the the musician or the like music fans pop girl, you mm -hmm. know, like she makes good, solid pop music. And um, this one, I just couldn't deny like how much I, I listen to it. I find it emotional. I find it catchy. I want to sing along. The textures are really interesting. I have one song on it that I would cut, which is Symphony, but the rest I think are are fantastic. Awesome. Surrender by Maggie Rogers. So I'll move into my number five pick for our list, and that is uh, Pedro the Lion's Havasu. And so this is Pedro the Lion's second in a series of records that Dave Bazan is going to be releasing that kind of chronicle his life. And so he released Phoenix, and then Havasu is the next place he moved like as an adolescent. And then mm -hmm. the preceding albums will be more about, I guess, his family. I think in a press release, he talked about kind of how that was going to be going through. But 
this was a surprise release. It came out at the very beginning of the year, and it's it was a record that stuck with me. Just the themes on it are very resonant. It's kind of about shame and growing up and mm-hmm. being, you know, a, a nervous boy and like all this fam like familial struggle and very deep vulnerability on this record and the structure of the record, the sequencing of it is just so perfect. And the way that it rises at the very beginning and it gets to first drum set, which is my favorite song on the record, it just, it breaks wide open and it, it says so much about Dave's love for music and for what made him become the person he is. And I think what emotion, like this record, like made it onto my list because it is so emotionally resonant for me and the songs are there. It's almost like it's such a harrowing emotional tale mm. that he's telling on here. And I think uh, as an artist who's like gone through an entire career of turmoil with religion and uh, shedding that part of himself and even just leaving behind Pedro the Lion altogether, he like returned to it and he returned to it with such an embrace of who he is as a person. And mm-hmm. I feel like Phoenix was really great. I like returned to that after Havasu, but I think this one especially in the time of life that it is based in like around his like 13 to 14 i feel like people forget about maybe some of the trauma that you Mm -hmm. went through it's like oh i was a kid and like i got over it you know like i grew up but he sort of validated a lot of that and you can sort of hear a lot of the the tragedy for a 14 year old of like getting dumped you know in in middle school (laughs) and all of that just comes through so clearly and the production is awesome. There's a lot of synths on there. He's a solo artist and that kind of is like a very resonant thing for me as a musician myself. And yeah, it just, it, it feels like a very, like it's an auteur sort of thing. It has a very like, yeah. it's, it's coming from one perspective and that really resonated with me. So yeah, have a suit by Pedro the lion. I have to be honest. I, totally missed that Pedro the Lion came back when he announced in 2017. So I was like doing my research when I was listening through your top five. And I was like, oh my God, I t- somehow I had totally missed this. I didn't notice that this was released. So this was like a happy surprise because, you know, growing up as like an emo obsessed kid, I was never fully invested in Pedro the Lion, but a lot of the bands I was into like cited him as one of their biggest influences so many indie rock bands from the early 2000s cite david bazan as one of the best songwriters in the genre so when i heard this i was so like happy to be reintroduced almost it it felt like seeing an old friend and i loved this record even when you just said first drum set i got chills like full body chills that song is so (laughs) amazing you're right his his writing has never been better. He really sets the scene in each song and tells such vivid stories, like puts you in that feeling of being an awkward teenager, really captures that moment in his life. And I agree, the production is excellent. This felt like the third album that could have been instead of Bon Iver going to 22 a million. This feels like after Bon Iver, Bon Iver, he could have made this record. It definitely felt that kind of like Justin Vernon style production but you know i don't know if that's the cart leading the horse because obviously david bazan's been doing this for decades so (laughs) he's he's definitely somebody who's in tune with what's 
being released when when Joyce Manor released their record, he was like, "Well, oh, this is good." Oh, yeah. You know, like he's like, you know, he's he's still like keeping up with releases. I think he's a music fan himself, so I don't think that's a you can, a far off. You can off. totally tell that he is a music fan first and foremost and also just like a consummate storyteller. His voice is aging so beautifully. There's so much soul in it and you can get like hints of his Christian music background coming through, but in this it comes across as more, you know, soulful or gospel influences and especially on like the verses for the songs, but I I really love this record. Awesome. That's uh you want to move into your number 4 pick? I have been obsessed with this band since I saw them at Pitchfork. Almost changed my life. Like I just felt so mesmerized by their live performance. Um, the band is Dry Cleaning. It's another sophomore record. Um, the record's called Stump Work. Another zig instead of a zag. I really thought after their first record, New Long Leg, which I've listened to approximately 50 times in the past six months, <laughs> I cannot get enough of it. I fully expected them go to go like further down the like punk influence, further down like the more aggressive music with the what I am blanking on her name right now, but uh, oh, Florence Florence Welsh, Florence Welsh um, with her kind of typical poetry spoken word over the punk influence. But this goes cool in a totally different way. It really pairs back and and gives so much more space for them to interact as a band rather than as you know a project to put her poetry over you get so much more interplay between her and the rest of the band them reacting to her lyrics her lyrics reacting to the music it feels so much more of a cohesive piece by a group of musicians rather than a group of musicians inviting somebody to you know do their thing over their music, which, you know, they've not been shy about the fact that she was never a singer before she joined this band. She was not really involved in music. She was more of a performance artist. And I think that this is them kind of announcing themselves as a group, as a creative collective. There are so many amazing songs on this. I think Anna Calls from the Arctic is incredible. Don't Press Me, obviously. I think it ends on an amazing note with Liberty Log and Icebergs, just a, a fantastic record front to back. Yeah, and I just want to correct myself. So Florence Welsh is from Florence, Florence and Shaw. Shane. Florence uh, Shaw. Florence yes. Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear Florence Welch in uh, Dry Cleaning. <laughs> that would um, be but, wild. <laughs> Arresting in a totally different it be, way. It might be too yeah. much. Uh, <laughs> I saw I saw dry cleaning. I went up to Summerfest in Milwaukee. I wasn't a convert of dry cleaning until I saw them live. Florence Shaw is such an emotive performer, and all everything that you say is giving me like you know like a memento flashback. Like it's all making <laughs> sense of her performance and the way that the band works. Is it's kind of like a jam yeah. in a way, and but there is that response and this this record is definitely one that i want to keep coming back to as time yeah. goes on because i was i was not fully in the first time i heard dry cleaning and after i saw them live it clicked and then i was like i want to make music yes. like this this is just such inspiring 
just an inspiring writing style. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of like captivating elements of it. And I think what initially threw me off of them was the delivery. Mm -hmm. But there's so many examples of bands where like a vocalist delivery has just grown on me. What she's doing is super special in the wave of post-punk that's coming out of the UK, which can all sound sort of samey. And she's she's really diversified. And the band sonically is also very different from what's happening yeah too i think um yeah frankly when i was trying to describe them to people after seeing them like my boyfriend's not very into music so i was like trying to explain what i was even watching and i was like it's like three british lads like just out of the pub just absolutely jamming together behind this witch of a woman holding her hair in front of her chest and like speaking and i think a lot is said of you know the charisma obviously the the way she presents herself the way she presents her lyrics but one thing we didn't really touch on is the lyrics themselves i just find her poetry the word i was using is like the language is sticky there are so many little phrases that she says little hooks little like turns of phrase that just stick in my head yeah like they just really resonate and like are memorable and you know i get them stuck and replay just like i would a melody like it's so interesting you know the combination of the spoken word poetry and the the music itself and the way she delivers it's like a perfect melding of of ideas i kind of described her also as you know laura marling if instead of loving joni mitchell she loved uh patty smith (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Like the, should I propose friendship? Like she has like this inflection, like she's almost, she's speaking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's like an actor yes. in some ways. Like I feel like the way that she says things really, if she said it like in a more like monotone way, you wouldn't derive anything yeah. from it, but you're like, that was so weird and like yes. surreal the way that she just put a very simple yeah. phrase. I think what she said in interviews is that she kind of, plucks things out of conversations that she overhears what a what an awesome way to like derive lyrics and completely original in my like in my view i could think even even just like in quenchy cups when she's like hmm it's like it's so it's timed perfectly it's delivered perfectly it says so much and like it's just a vocalization it's just amazing what she does Okay, so I didn't write a lot down for this one because this is a record, again, that has kind of stuck with me. And I spent a lot of time with it uh, after I interviewed the band. And also, this is like my first time like getting a pre-release oh, of a nice. record. And um, I was such a huge fan. And it's uh, Kara Kara's New Preoccupations. This is a sophomore record, in a sense. They uh, released an EP in 2019 following their first album and that's when they got a lot of attention was the better ep and then new preoccupations is i think my like summation of this is my favorite pandemic Mm -hmm. record like a record that deals with the themes of the pandemic and a lot of what's on here is you know again very resonant with me there's references to kurt vonnegut Mm -hmm. there's um a lot of recovery stories on here about drugs and um 
you know, personal relationships with substance and, you know, just with like consciousness in general as like making a meaningful life out of a, a very like disastrous mm -hmm. and traumatizing moment with the pandemic. And I like, I kind of sum it up that way because I think there's been a lot of pandemic art that's been put out and not that it's not valid, but I've, I've sort of become numb yeah. to it over time. And so this, this record, New Preoccupations from Kara Kara, it is a very exciting emo record. It's a, an exciting rock record. There's a lot of exciting production on here. Uh, Will Yip, who is like a huge producer in, yeah. in this circle of bands, like has worked on like Peripheral Vision and like all your favorite like uh, emo albums that have come out in the past couple of years. I, I just think it was is so well executed. It was such a great follow up to the better ep which had very strong songwriting he's another i and if you if you took a listen to this i'd love to hear your take very lyrical but very drawn out in the way that he he uh sings and yeah. the way that he like uh, verbalizes his emotions it's kind of like a lot of spew mm, in a okay. way yeah i see that or maybe sure. like touche but like he 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 tends to sing that stuff more and then breaks into screams and there's a very cool feature from anthony yes. green on color glut which i was like completely floored by like anthony is such a uh visceral performer and the way that he adds to this song it doesn't it really shines a light on him but it really he is incorporated so tastefully into the song as to not like overshadow the whole thing and i think that's a very if you haven't heard of Kara Kara before and like, I think color glut is just a perfect way to kind of see how a band who is, you know, on the come up can really like go toe to toe with Anthony green. And um, there's, they've got like the songs that really hit like Hyacinth and then like song from Montana wild hack is just a beautiful acoustic mm -hmm. ballad. And it's got a lot of dynamics and it's got a lot of what I want to see in this genre and i i think it might be the only emo adjacent album on my list but um i was super excited by this one and it it stayed in rotation and like interviewing the band and getting like a little bit more insight to it was just it, it was just it just felt perfect for the time of life that i mm -hmm. was in as as well to just like have these discussions and then um you know also have it grow on me over this time so uh, did you take a listen to New Preoccupations? Yeah, I really, really dug it. Like, like I said, I, I'm still an emo kid at heart. Like, I definitely grew up listening to that type of music. I still listen to a lot of it now. I really, really like this. It felt like a something I could have listened to in the 2000s. I definitely got hints of like beyond the ones that you were saying, like some Jimmy world at their most like experimental or like Juliana theory, um, that kind of era. Um, it definitely felt experimental, but not in a way that drew attention to itself. I didn't realize Will Yip produced, but I knew him from Circus Survive production. Um, and that kind of ties in the Anthony Green of it all. And I agree, like hearing Kara Kara incorporate Anthony Green and like you said, go toe to toe. I had not heard of this band before and was super impressed, like great vocals, great instrumentation, super dramatic, um, earnest, um, cathartic. I just thought it was really great. But that's a uh, new preoccupations. What's your number, yeah. uh, number three. 
Right. Um, my number three is uh, Big Thief's Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. Um, like the title of this record, uh, the music is a little unwieldy. Um, <laughs> it kind of goes all over the place. I know I started this podcast talking about how the long records of the year were making it hard for me to keep coming back to them. But this one, I think, covers such a wide range of genres and styles. I found a, little, a lot more digestible. Um, Adrian Lenker's never been better in, in their writing. This really, to me, feels like a modern version of Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. You know, a, a group of shaggy songs with, you know, five diamonds just like struggles or strewn about i think some of their best songs ever um including what is one of my picks for song of the year would be no reason i think that song is just stunning the perfect front to back um the first time i heard it i just like broke down crying just at the pure like songwriting joy of it mm-hmm. it really does what i think not enough great albums do, but, you know, is it's not afraid to experiment. It's not afraid to put off the listener. It's just a lot of different directions at once by the same four people just in a room playing. And I think um, it was the Pitchfork review that summed it up best, like ending with Blue Lightning and then the last thing you hear is them saying okay what's next like it's it's an album of possibilities it's an album of great songs uh, it's occasionally frustrating to listen to um, but ultimately I think the more time that I've spent with it um, the more I've loved it and I think it's it's happening right at the right moment for them in their career when you know they're coming off of the twin albums of their last two releases mm-hmm. UFO F and uh the other one two hands was called two hands yes yeah. which both of them those albums are so good it, it would have been hard to follow them up at all but to to give us this like grab bag of goodies i think is is so smart and uh just thoroughly rewarding on re-listening this uh your number three pick and my number three pick are I think intertwined in the way that you you kind of described it like there there is a lot to enjoy on this record and I think at face value if you're not already bought into Big Thief I don't know how much you'll get out of this album and uh, I definitely was a huge fan of UFOF and Two Hands when those came out and then Capacity even before that which was sort of a sleeper in 2017 I feel like if you were following music you kind of got a hint of that record and it was sort of like emo adjacent. It's like, Oh, this yep. new, like sort of country, like emo band is like doing a thing and they've completely evolved past that. Like, I don't think they like even orbit that scene anymore. No, yeah. but uh, yeah, dragon, new more, new War mountain. Um, I checked this out when it came out, definitely a lot of hype around it. And yeah. uh, I really enjoyed going through it. It wasn't something that stuck around for me very long, but uh, like you said, there there are just undeniable songs on here. Spud Infinity being one that like it just pops immediately. And there's like there's those points like you were mentioning with um, dry cleaning, like that just pop out like the that's my grandma 
thing. Like, yes. I, like I don't know. And maybe that there's a similarity in the way that they compose their music and there's more of like a blending of everybody's influences and like yeah. th those sort of like maybe accidental or like incidental things. They just stick and you can sort of feel the genuine genuineness of yeah. of the album come through. And yeah. I know the, this is a crusty bunch of of people yes. <laughs> making music. And I I love that it is that cohesive and that it is a collective in a way. And there are one of one release from Adrian Lenker that I loved was their improvisational guitar album that they released. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, they are a part of this jammy thing. And I could have, I could have surmised that from past releases, but I think in new warm mountain, it's very apparent. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited for what they do next uh, yeah. as their last track kind of alluded yes. to i feel like this album feels like a quilt like it's like homemade with love it's warm it might be a little itchy in places you got a lot of different fabrics going on um but at the end of the day it's it's four people who are all at the top of their game like um james kravichnik has just like exploded as a drummer i feel like and and as a multi-instrumentalist and everybody on the record is bringing their a game but they're not doing it in a way that's completely unpretentious and full of experimentation and full of play and anytime i can get the sense of like adventure and exploration and excitement and play out of out of music it's something that i enjoy like i can feel the energy in the room when i listen to this album definitely my favorite double album of the year I'll yes. say that. <laughs> um, okay, number three. So there is a connection between our two records. Sean Everett produced both of them, uh -huh. uh, or he he mixed. I think the the Big Thief record. But my number three pick is Blue Rev by Always, uh, a record that I am fully drinking the Kool Aid on. I I love always they I wasn't a part of like their initial wave with like Archie marry me and uh, their their like initial come up but like the way that they stick stuck around in in their kind of hiatus over the pandemic and a little bit before like the anticipation was just really growing and like that really sucked me in and when yeah. when the single started dropping for blue rev I was just so excited to to hear what they were going to be doing next. Their albums are so cohesive. They have such a uh, a vibe, so to speak, about their music. And I feel like they do it the best. And as the trickle of Blue Rev kept coming in, it would just like was increasingly better and better. And then when the full record was released, I dug into it very deeply. The songs are great. I think it similar to New Warm Mountain, there are some diamonds in there um i think and let me know if this is kind of what you're getting at with new warm mountain i think there is a lot of like singular productions in each song like i feel like each mm -hmm. song kind of inhabits its own world on blue rev in some ways that could be a hindrance for the record where it doesn't feel cohesive but i'm i'm just so down for all the explorations that they're doing there's this like dream pop thing going on they're doing this kind of like maybe even post-punky thing on there there's yeah. a lot of like nostalgia driven stuff but it sounds like always and i think what that means is that it just sounds 
new and it sounds exciting and they've got such like a songwriting ear that they don't need to write long songs for them to be hits yeah i saw them live and they played at the riv which is not a small room it is enormous and i don't think of always as an enormous band but mm-hmm. they've grown into that and like they've totally earned all of the the hype that has gone behind this record yeah th- there's not enough good things i can say about this it just astounded me the one song that like really sticks out and like i can play over and over again is belinda says which is like a that riff. was my favorite on the record yeah too. oh my god and the key change too it's like okay Unreal. like i'm so i'm so sold on this band that like they can do like a country trope and like it works so well and what the things she's singing about like gonna move to the country gonna have this baby i'm like oh my god i was like welling up at that part of that song so uh molly rankin's voice is just beautiful um i love the sounds of the guitars yeah blue rev like it hit so like it, it came out in october and i was just like i can't believe that this is gonna be one of my favorite records of the year like and it's so late in the game yeah. yeah. Somehow I missed this when it came out, but um, I was really glad to listen to it um, for this podcast. The production is stellar. I think the the songs, like you said, they are so well written. They're surprising, but not in a way that feels annoying. They always like shift just when you need them to, like a little key change, like you were saying on Belinda Says, or the tempo shifts or the structure changes. That to me kept me like so engaged, like all the little surprises I thought were were really um, hooky for me. Like it, it made me want to listen to it again and again. I feel like this is something I could see myself coming back to, like you said, over and over just for the sense of surprise. Like it, it definitely has that element that I, I'm drawn to. Yeah, it's uh, like one other album it reminds me of that came out this year was The Beths. Um, expert in the oh, dying yeah. field like yeah if you listen to my review on that one i'm <laughs> and this was like completely like honest i was like i can't believe like how beautiful it is and like that's how like always stuck out to me and i think as a record where they're returning after like a hiatus and like being beloved it's like mm-hmm. you fucking knocked it out of the park like yeah. it's like that's so that's kind of where this list kind of got hard making these decisions. It's like you you can't go away for five years and easily come back with an amazing record and and don't call it a comeback, but you know it yeah. it it killed. Yeah, it's it's such a gem of a record. I, I totally agree. All right, and I'm I'm very excited to hear about your number two record. Uh, please, it was very hard not putting it at number one. It feels so personal to me. It's Angel Olsen's Big Time. I've been a fan of Angel's for a couple of years now and just think that she's one of the most talented artists working today. All Mirrors, her last record, kind of. I mean, she did the whole new mess and the songs for the Lark, which were kind of riffs on All Mirrors. I consider those all kind of part of the same era for her. That All Mirrors record is is so so ornate and dramatic and beautiful i was like i don't know what she's going to do next which is part of the appeal of angel i feel like she does switch it up with each release and and goes in a slightly different direction than you expect her to when this was announced as 
a record about her coming to terms with her sexuality, coming to terms with her parents' death. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, I think if, if this comes out and I listen to it, I might just dissolve right. into a puddle of tears. And when it came out, at first I was a little bit disappointed. So I, I, I kind of felt underwhelmed the first couple of times I listened to it. It wasn't until I sat down, I think it was my third or fourth listen, put headphones on, had the lyrics in front of me, which is, I like to do that with records anyways, but I was like setting this aside for a special day because I was like, there's got to be a key into this. There's got to be some, And it just bloomed for me on that third listen in a way that I still like get chills thinking about. And, And every time I've listened to it since, I've loved it more and more. I think uh, Chasing the Sun is kind of a beautiful summation of how I feel in general and that it's a very gentle, intimate, so intimate record about domestic relationships. And I feel like the, the songs that she puts out here, her writing, I feel so brought into her world. I see her so much more personally than I have in the past. I feel like all of the veneer and the the way that she presents herself, not that she's somebody I think of as like fake or posing, but she's definitely somebody who considers the presentation as part of the music and, and part of the live show and all of that. And this, it just seems like her, you know, presenting herself, writing just incredible songs, um, with full vulnerability and honesty and beauty. I just, I can't say enough good things about this, this album. I can't, could not pick a favorite song. It has just become indelible to me. I, I see myself like holding this close for the rest of my life, honestly. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so I listened and like you said, I had a hard time, you know, with the first listen to this and I only listened to it once. So when I saw on your list and gave it a spin, I was like, there's there's like a validating factor in you putting on your list. And I was like, there has gotta be something in here. Slow and I'm not I'm not attributing this to Angel Olsen at all, but like slow, boring music. Like I've gotten <laughs> into it in the past. And like, you know, like with like a band yeah. like Low or um like red house painters or something like that's not something that's outside of my wheelhouse and it took me like i got to go home and there's those like just very faint Mm -hmm. clave hits on there and i was like yeah i get it okay there there is there's this frequency that you have Mm -hmm. to sort of like be tuned into and it's not necessarily like hearing those background elements but it's like i think you have to be in a certain mood for this record and that that really shined through for me on my listen. I think the first thing that I thought was like, yeah. wow, this is like a country record. What she's doing is so, is just, it's so delicate. Like, yes. and I think it needs to be appreciated in that lens and hearing it from you. I was very excited to hear what you had to say about it. Cause I knew that you would open it up. I'm excited to, to revisit. Thank yeah. you for sharing your perspective on the record. Yeah, I highly recommend, you know, she's somebody that, like I said, each album is its own world. Like, she's so good at at creating atmosphere. And and this one seems to be maybe her most straightforward batch of songs. Like, 
It's just a songwriter working really well, writing really solid country pop tunes, but it's so much deeper than that. I feel like it's in conversation with like Patsy Cline. I feel like it's in conversation with Joni Mitchell. It reminds me a lot of Laura Marling's latest record, Songs for Our Daughter. Um, Just somebody really focusing on the craft of songwriting and presenting it um, the most delicately and and beautifully. Um, Yeah, I I love this record. (laughs) I need to check out Laura Marling. I haven't ever heard of him. She is one of my favorite artists working. That's good to know. All right. We'll move over to my number two. And I I said at the beginning that this was like a list that I was pretty confident in, but like it was I had to do a lot of like hoops to like not put this at number one. And this is uh my number two record is Black Country New Roads, Ants from Up There. It is a sophomore record. I think that's kind of a, a theme on yes. our on <laughs> in our conversation. Absolutely like going into this record, I was I had heard about their first album. Let me get the name right real quick. For the first time, very great opening record title. Um, <laughs> that like that was on a lot of people's lists and for 2021, and then they dropped this record in 2022. The way that they do this style of post punk with the instrumentation, with the violins, the flutes, the they incorporate this uh, style of music called klezmer which is, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I forget where it originates from. They incorporate this very intricate style of music into a very new style of, of post-punk. And it's another record with a lot of words on it. Isaac Woods is a very captivating lyricist in the vein of Florence Shaw and yeah. um, a few other people that we mentioned on the show. The exciting thing and maybe kind of depressing thing about this record going into it was that Isaac had left the band days before its release. And that kind of left everything in just a very weird place. I was, I had no idea like how to receive this record, knowing that it wasn't really going to be toured on maybe, or that it wouldn't come to life live. And even before the full record's release, I was listening to the singles and it was like, these songs are forever changed by the circumstance that they're in. And like, yeah, Concord was was something of a very strange lyrical song that goes over this airplane that was like a failed experiment. Like the Concord was supposed to be a plane that was like supersonic commercial airlines. So you could get to like LA to New York and like, I don't know, like three or four hours, but it was like too loud. So they had to like get rid of it. And um, using that as sort of like an allegory for the band in a way, in the way that he was maybe like not fit to do this, like sort of like my own reading, but like there's so much richness in here and I think if the songs weren't there, this record would have maybe fallen a little flat past the news of Isaac's departure. And yeah, it's just, it's just got so much depth to it. The song basketball shoes like Mm -hmm. goes in like four movements. Um, 
there's another song called bread song which is very slow moving but like you can just sort of hear the depth in isaac's voice and the place where they where he inserted the blade is another track that uh like took a while for me to really latch on to but i think it's it's just another example of like how well this like sonically the style of music works and the the lyrics and how they're sort of a little like out of left field but they work this is a young band too so like that also yeah. went into my consideration for this um but yeah i think like goodwill hunting i'm just going to name like all the songs on the record <laughs> but like like that that's a song that i replayed over and over again like i think it was on like my spotify wrapped is like one of my top songs and it has like they're in the chorus is like something about like billy eilish style yeah. and i'm like yeah that's such a weird thing to say and i think taking those sort of like earnest chances in your lyric writing not trying to appease any sort of like general audience or anything like that mm-hmm. and i mean maybe you can make the argument for the other side of that but like i i think this is a very strange album released in a strange circumstance and it just it just hit very hard for me and it's it's stuck around the whole year yeah so answer from up there by black country new road is my number two yeah i am glad that this was on your list because i've been morbidly curious about this band since (laughs) all of the press around this album release came out Mm -hmm. and then when it came out and it was good or it was getting great reviews like raves I've had people telling me to listen to this. I don't know what kept me from it. Um, I'm really glad I finally did, and I'm excited to listen to it um, some more. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I found the lyrics, like you said, very captivating. Um, Kind of reminded me of Lou Reed a little bit um, with the way that it's juggling obvious poetry with, you know, modern references, pop culture, um, the Billie Eilish lyric really does stand out, but there are so many other little little hooks in each of the songs as well. I think this gets at that sense of play that I was talking about earlier too, like just a lot of musicians in a room, like excited to play with each other. And I think what was really heartening to hear, I have a friend who saw them when they were in town and said that it was one of the best shows they've ever seen and that they seem to be re-inspired and like ready to continue making music. So I'm happy to hear that like this album is a huge success. It's beloved and it sounds like the band is going to continue on, which is like good news all around. Um, And hopefully Isaac is happier now. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a nice thing to end uh, your journey with a band with something so beloved as this album has been this year. So you know, hopefully all is good there and and that they continue in separate directions, like making great art. Yeah, I'm glad to he- I, I haven't heard very many reports from their live show um, it, that like there was like a renewed sense there. If you like look at their Wikip- Wikipedia page, you, you see like Isaac leaves and then like his duties like just get put onto the other yeah. band members like after yeah. his departure. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do next. I think like anticipating the next year is uh, I, I I don't anticipate them releasing a new record in 2023. If they do, that's that's great. That's like more than more than I need right now with Ants yeah. from Up There being such a hit. Um, 
even though it was released. My friend said there was a lot of new music at the at the concert. So I'm like, wow, that's amazing! (laughs) Like, yeah, how cool! Like, what a journey! Absolutely. All right. Uh, Number one, Zach. Number the whole year of 2022 encapsulated in one record for Zach. I had no other choice. I really (laughs) did not. When this album came out, there was. It was over for everybody else. I'm so sorry to everyone else. It has to be Renaissance by Beyonce. It just has to be. I don't make the rules. I just follow them. (laughs) Um, You know, a lot has been said about this record. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I just don't think we've had a cultural moment like this in music since maybe Thriller. You know, something so (laughs) culturally ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. as this like you know talking to my random family members like oh they won't stop playing this at work it's everywhere it's so good i i can't stop listening to it the jokes have been made there's got to be drugs in this music every day i could hit play on this and then want to play it again the second it ends i just i i think it is such a joy it's full of tiny moments i think it it juggles the the difficult thing in pop music right now of like needing needing to be meme worthy. Um, mm. I find that a little bit tiresome, but you know, all the memes in this are coming from Beyonce's personality, charisma, and talent. You know, literally having a TikTok challenge of like, can you sing these riffs? And the answer is no, probably not. <laughs> the end of Plastic Off the Sofa. You just can't sing like that. I'm sorry. She is continuously raising the bar for herself, not to quote Michelle Obama. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it's just a stunning achievement. It's conversation with Black history, Black art, queer history, queer art, trans history, trans art. It's just so incredible it feels personal it feels fun it feels you know relaxed in weird ways and i just can't think of another record where the transitions between songs are as hooky as the choruses to the songs like i get just as excited to hear energy turn into break my soul as i do to hear the chorus to cozy um and that is not an easy thing to do so I just really didn't have a choice. It's my record of the year. It's it's I don't see it leaving, you know, the top 10 of my record of the decade. I I just really don't know what else to say. I just think it's amazing. Yeah, uh I I have to say up top I am completely unqualified to talk about Beyoncé with any sort of <laughs> critical merit. <laughs> but uh uh, like I saw this on your list. Um, I, I, I tend to be like, I try to like be an open-minded person with music and, <laughs> uh, and what, well, you know, I'm going to get there, but like, there is this sense with pop music, especially with a record of this impact and like the person who's releasing it, a cultural figure, a cultural icon, somebody who your grandma knows about, you know, like, yes. you know, the president has, the president has an opinion about this person. Not very many people like that. Um, 
to not take these sorts of things seriously. And let me yes. let me qualify that. The listening to this record and like going through the track listing, like in the sequence of it, it just it demands that like serious listening and it's it takes itself seriously because obviously Beyonce like cares about her music. I I felt like as a listener to this, like I was I don't know, like being exposed to just something brand new. And like I was discovering a lot about Beyonce in listening to it. And I had heard Break My Soul once it like was released as a single and did not really go deeper than that. But like experiencing this record, like it it just has this quality of just being like objectively good. And it's it's not <laughs> on my list anywhere. But like listening to this, like I I can definitely appreciate the music and there were just parts of it like I, I this might be a little explicit but she was like she was there was a part where i was like why is she talking about my dick that way like i was like <laughs> I, I i felt like personally like i was like involved in the music um so yeah like the hearing you talk about it absolutely an exciting record to come out and i think its cultural impact is undeniable I just think it is rare for somebody to be like at the top of their career and also at the top of their game mm -hmm. and for somebody to take themselves and their work so seriously, like she is a consummate professional, but I think what's really stunning about this is I, she's never sounded better and the vocals aren't as showy as they have been on records past. So it's nice to hear her like relaxing, playing with the timbre of her voice, playing with the intonation. You know, she's really become an amazing rap rapper over the past five, 10 years, showing that off, showing off her range in style and in, in um, technical skill. Um, I just think it's, it's rare to have somebody be as big as she is and consistently put out the quality of music that she's been putting out. Like the past three records have all been 10 out of 10. So awesome. Well, if you want to keep listening to my number one pick, you can. <laughs> uh, completely, completely different. And I love it. Not even in the same league as Beyonce. Um, let me just like re re capitulate <laughs> myself. Um, my number one pick. It's definitely the heaviest thing on my list. I, I grew up listening to heavy music. I it's a part of my personality and the way that I appreciate music. Like I feel like when I listen to albums, I try to find like the heaviness in them. Like where is the groove? Kind of where is like the the breakdown in quotes? You know, like how can I like work my way into this thing? This record by Chat Pile called God's Country, my number one record of the year, it it redefines that. It is unmistakably heavy. It is heavy in just a completely different way than I've heard a lot of like metal music mm -hmm. come out. And it exists out of so many like boundaries that I have set in my brain for like what a heavy record can be and it it's such a contained i'm going to use the word vibe again but like that doesn't really encapsulate it it's very thematic each song 
very much is in tune with the message and the story that's trying to be told. There's kind of a theme about this band kind of being about like this desolation of location, like where they are in um, Oklahoma City. And I think that comes through so well. There, there are a group of guys who have been at this for a really long time, and this is the first time that they've really gotten any um, notable success for a record. It got Best New Music on Pitchfork. The reviews just keep coming in. The song Why is absolutely just harrowing, and like the story it tells is, is something that we all sort of like innately understand about, about humans who are homeless in poverty who the res- he says it in the song, we have the resources, we have the means. And in one word, as like uh, a refrain for a lot of this, he's just asking why. If for no other song, why is the reason this record is going to just tip over everything? And the sounds of the guitars, the drums, the inflection of the vocals, like I think that's been a theme throughout a lot of this. There's just such power in absolute turmoil that's happening with the singer and the delivery with these these songs it all just comes together so perfectly and like didn't need to be a band that everybody had heard of to do this i feel like their their storied like career in like the underground has really led to this point and like when i was thinking about my list about like a band's catalog Mm -hmm. and like their narrative this is just undeniably something that everybody who listens to heavy music needs to hear and because i think it's it's going to influence what comes next and uh yeah so it's it's hard to like put a lot of words to it because when i heard it and i saw like i i saw them live before i heard this record and i was like this is just so weird and like i can't yeah. <laughs> I, like i said with like dry cleaning like it was just difficult to like make that turn with them at first but like in the course of the show i was like completely taken like the mm. singer is like barefoot traipsing around the stage really like in in the mood with the lyrics and it is a little unnerving at times but very controlled and this this definitely this record definitely sticks out in uh genre wise in both of our lists but um <laughs> it, it was something that i couldn't go in 22 2022 without mentioning how impactful it was. So yeah, yeah, chat piles, God's country. I like heavy music. I find myself struggling often with the lyrics matching the mood of the music. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I have a hard time when I feel like the lyrics or the vocals are being disingenuous. Um, and I find that with a lot of metal, especially like, I don't know, I'm not going to name bands cause I don't want to get in trouble, but this, I think, deserves to become a landmark for sludge metal in the genre as it is today. When I was doing, like like I said, I was researching a little bit as I was listening to your five records, um, saw that they kind of, one of their breaks was recording a, a Sepultura cover, and Sepultura is one of my favorite metal bands. And I definitely see the connection between the two of them, like obvious political themes, Um, experimentation with atmosphere and textures. I found this so harrowing to listen to and and really devastating and obviously heavy. I think that the lyrics and the music work so well in tandem. It's doing a lot of very challenging things extremely well. Like, I think it's often very difficult to write political songs that don't feel like lectures and don't feel like preachy and don't feel 
um, you know, like self-serving and self-satisfied, but the way that they're delivered and the actual lyrics themselves are so heartfelt and earnest that um, it, it works perfectly with the music. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, I think you get at something very resonant with heavy music. I think screaming at a certain point has just become an assumed factor of heavy music. And I think it's lost a lot of its impact with just like a fry scream on like everything that is supposed to be heavy. You know, the interplay between the vocals, like you said it perfectly. It feels fit for the amount of like damage that the the instrumentation is doing here and i don't think a typical scream would do any of that any justice and i think it would it, it would ring probably false harm i mean it. yeah yeah exactly um and that's something that like the band clearly knows i mean the 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 play with dynamics in this record for something that is heavy all the way through is really impressive I knew from your Instagram posts and your vinyl collection and just the way that you think about, like the way that I see you think about music on the surface, like you, you've completely blown me away with your list, Zach. Like, thank you so much for, for coming on and uh, taking the time to listen to my records as well. Like that, that means so much to me. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was, it was so great. I love listening to everything. So um, it's just a matter of time in the day. So <laughs> I had a fun day yesterday. Um, really exploring each of these and, and um, getting to know your taste a little bit better has been like very exciting and um, just really honored to be here. So thanks inviting me. Uh, feeling is mutual. Uh, I want, I want to direct people over to your music as well uh, over. Uh, I want to get the name right. Apre Pompeii. Is that? Apre Pompeii. Yeah. Apre Pompeii. Uh, I listened to your record today, um, Clay and a little bit of your back catalog as well. And I, I, like meeting you and hearing you perform live at that uh, open mic, I I just could tell that like there was just so much influence for us that kind of like meshed together as musicians. And seeing your list and listening to your music, I was you have such a impressive grasp on like pop sentiment, and then also infusing it with a lot of folk. And I I would love to talk to you about it more, but uh, I just wanted yeah. to like let people know that like they're missing out if you're not listening to your music. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, do you have any performances coming up or nothing on the books? Um, I'm looking to start really digging into early next year. Um, so as soon as I have anything, I'll be posting it online. People can follow me. Um, I'm at Pre Pompeii pretty much everywhere. So <laughs> awesome. All right, Zach, thank you one more time. Uh, everybody check out, Zach's picks. And if you have time, check out mine. Uh, this has been Like What You Like. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. All right. That was so fun. Like what you like.